last week, of course, as we celebrated the resurrection, we understand that resurrection of Christ made forgiveness of our sins possible. How many of you are thankful that you're forgiven this morning? Very, very strongly, I felt the Lord was going to do a powerful work in this place today. The issue of forgiveness is something that affects all of us very deeply. Uh, If you've ever been wronged or hurt or have been through some difficult relationships, just wave at me real quick if you've ever been there. Glory to God. So that was like 100%. (laughs) So that means that you're living. Hallelujah. But today God wants to deal with our hearts about the issue of forgiveness. I believe he wants to heal. I believe he wants to set free. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, and I'm using the New Living Translation, and it says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Father, this morning we thank you that you're in this place. You're the healer, you're the forgiver, you're the restorer and the rebuilder. Today we bring ourselves to you knowing that we can trust you. We ask that we would decrease this morning and that you would increase in Jesus' name. Everyone said. The issue of forgiveness really is at the forefront of all that the Bible teaches And the entire reason that Jesus came was so that the forgiveness of sins would be possible. Forgiveness, according to the Bible, is understood as God's promise not to count our sins against us. How many of you are glad this morning that God is not holding your sin against you because you've repented? Amen? I'm so glad. Biblical forgiveness requires repentance on our part, which is a turning away from our old life of sin and faith in Jesus Christ. Forgiveness is defined as a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person or group who has harmed you regardless of whether or not they actually deserve your forgiveness. To release someone from a debt that they owe you, to lay down anger and hatred, and to refuse to hold the wrong and hurt that someone caused you against them. We all love the fact that we can be forgiven from our sins and released from that debt that sin has brought to our lives. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. How many of you are thankful that you have eternal life this morning? But it is a difficult thing many times to forgive those that have wronged us. And the truth is that many people have been hurt deeply by others. And that's not a trivial thing. In no way this morning do we want to downplay what has happened in our lives or the hurt or the harm that someone did to you. There are many that have had abusive parents or abusive spouses. There are some of us growing up that were bullied or have been used by other people. Throughout my time in ministry, I have found that people have had unspeakable 
and unimaginable things done to them. Yet Jesus still calls them to forgive. One of the most powerful stories I remember reading is of the precious people who watched their families hurt and tortured in concentration camps during World War II. Things done that no one should have had happen. And they had to spend time with God as they realized that they were called to forgive. Matthew 5.44 says, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Touch someone next to you and say, that challenges me. Go ahead. (laughs) Does that challenge anyone else in this room? Anybody else have to have God deal with their heart on those issues? I've shared this story before, but I felt the Lord wanted me to share it again this morning. When I was growing up, my mother remarried for like a brief three weeks. She met the fella in church. My dad died when I was five, and for years she had desired God to bring her another husband. And for whatever reason, this guy treated her very kindly, and they got married. Within the first week of marrying, he began to beat her, began to throw things at her, began to hurt her. There was even a point during all that time where my friends and I, we had a tree in our side yard. I was about 11 or 12 years old, and uh, when I was growing up, the tree just had you know, branches that looked like a helicopter. So we would sit in that tree and fly helicopters all day. But that became our meeting tree that day. We had brought out our pocket knives. We actually grabbed some sticks. He was working the night shift, and so he was asleep in the house. And we began to carve spears, and we were going to go in and kill him. He had waken up before we had finished talking about it and finished carving all our sticks. And the way we knew he was up is my mom had made him some oatmeal and he had taken the plate because he thought it was too thick and threw it across the kitchen at her. So at 11 and 12, we chased him out of the house. And during those times when my mom packed up and left, he tried to take the house from us, tried to get into the public records and tried to ruin our lives. For weeks, we lived in different homes. For years, I swore... I would kill him if I ever saw him again. And I would have. I really would have. Years later, I went to ministry school. I'm in Phoenix. And I was praying and seeking the face of God. And very strongly, the Holy Spirit came to me and said, I can't use you. I said, why? Because you have not forgiven that man for what he's done to your family. As a matter of fact, you've said that if you ever saw him again, you would kill him. I said, yes, Lord, and I would do it well. He said, well, that's called murder, and that's sin. And I've called you into ministry. He said, you need to forgive him. And I did. When I was preparing this message today, the Lord said, you can't use his name anymore. I said, why? He said, because in times past, deep inside, you still took joy that when you said his name, everybody knew what a dog he was. You were still getting vengeance on him, even though you had forgiven him because you kept mentioning his name. Don't use his name anymore. Next step. Listen. The Lord wants to heal your hurts. And many of those things start with forgiveness. 
This past month, there was a story about a pastor who had a heart attack. And when he did, he died and he went to hell and he was confused by that. He was shocked at how horrible everything was. But most of all, he found that he was angry at God that he was there. And here's what God told him. He said, I rose up out of hell and God spoke to me and he said, you were secretly angry with people who harmed you and you hoped I would punish them. He said, those are not your people. They're my people. I just want you to focus on the tasks that I've given you. And then he said, a man who cannot forgive is a man who has forgot that he was forgiven. That spoke powerfully to me. As I read through that story, the Lord said, there are many people that I want to heal today, many people that are still trapped in a place of unforgiveness. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this this morning. Forgiveness does not come easily or naturally to any of us. And it's not supposed to. Forgiveness is something that is to be chosen and it is to be learned. Truly forgiving someone who has hurt, wronged, or shamed us, or used us is a process that we work through with God. Today, the thing that I find is that forgiveness is taught as something for our benefit. And there is benefit to it. But I want to remind you this morning that before all of that, we live to please the Lord. Forgiveness is an act of obedience. It is an act of obeying the word of God. And while it does have the benefits of setting us free, it is a command that we are to do. I want you to tell someone next to you, you got to forgive. Go ahead, tell them right now. God understands that sometimes you need to be commanded what to do or else you would never do it. It's a command. It's a directive by God. God said it, and so we will obey it. The highest thing that we're living for in our life as a believer is to please the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a choice, and it's a decision, but it is not a light or trivial thing, and it's not supposed to be. Forgiveness causes us to look at what someone has done to us and honestly and intelligently deal with the fact of how it's affected our life. I want you to remember that the most influential person in your life is the one that you've never forgiven. That means that unforgiveness becomes an idol in the place of God. And you cannot effectively heal unless you address the places of woundedness. Unforgiveness never allows our wounds to heal because if we did, we might forget what the person did to us. The other thing that dealing with unforgiveness does is that it causes us to see how what the person did to us has caused us to become. It's remarkable how unforgiveness can turn an otherwise nice, kind, and caring person into a bitter and angry, fearful, and sinful person. Hebrews 12, 15 in the NIV says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble, and watch this, 
defile many. The Amplified says, see to it that no one falls short of God's grace, that no root of resentment springs up and causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. Satan designed unforgiveness to defile us, to make us unclean. Listen, the word resentment comes from two Latin words that mean to cut again and again. That means every time we rehearse a hurt or an injustice, or the devil brings up pain and we dwell on our anger and frustration about what was done to us, we are getting cut and re-injured all over again. That's why the devil loves this tool of unforgiveness, because it allows the hurt and the pain to feel fresh and new all the time. Listen, unforgiveness is not justice. It's torture. It's also murder. Because each time we feel the pain, it reminds us of how we would like the person who hurt us to suffer. This is why Jesus honestly reminds Peter that forgiveness is not a one-time event. Forgiveness is a process that we must work through until the hurt and the pain no longer have an effect on us. In Matthew 18, 21 through 22, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Now watch this. Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? Listen, Peter knows that he's being wronged. And I forgive him. Up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Jesus doesn't deny the sin. He wants to keep us free from the sin. Our job is to forgive. It's Jesus' job to do the healing in our lives. So every time we feel the hurt, the pain, and the woundedness return, we must make a conscious effort to forgive. And some of us, depending on our personality and the level of the hurt, it may take a little while. It may take 490 times a day for a little while until the work of forgiveness is complete. Anyone else in here been a little stubborn? Anyone else in here been hurt pretty deep? I want you to look at me. People will look at you and go, well, you just need to get over that thing. No, 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 no. You've been hurt. You've been wounded. Forgiveness is something that you must take to the Lord until the work is complete. Every time that the enemy tries to bring it back, every time that memory returns. And someone needs to hear this this morning. Forgiveness is not effortless. Some of you have been feeling guilty about the way you've been doing. How many of you know the enemy just likes to compound everything you've been going through? If I was really doing this right, I'd be able to just do it and I'd be over with. That's not true. Forgiveness is not effortless. But just remember that the effort is not pointless. It'll be rewarded. I was talking to someone who had forgiven and they said, but you should see the scars that I have. You should see the reminders that I carry. I want to remind you, forgiveness doesn't mean that the wound or the hurt never happened. And the scars are a reminder that what once hurts you all the time doesn't hurt anymore because 
you've healed. A scar is a reminder that you do not have to hurt anymore and that what was meant to hurt you has actually made you stronger through Jesus. Now I want you to hear this. We choose what the scars mean to us. Forgiveness is not forgetting. It's choosing how you remember. I've got a couple scars on my arm that are still here from when I've wrecked my bicycle when I was a kid. Any of you got some kid scars? I want to tell you what I remembered about that. I remembered it hurt, and here's what I remembered. Do not ride your bike downhill with brakes that don't really work and decide to jump the curb into a driveway that has stone. That is also downhill. It hurts. So how I choose to remember that event was that hurt, and I choose not to do that again. It's a marvelous thing. I do want you to mark this down. Forgiveness heals. Unforgiveness is the root of much sickness. Unforgiveness is the root of a great deal of depression and fear and anxiety. It is that root of bitterness that we talked about earlier that winds up affecting all our other relationships with people that didn't hurt us. All of us have seen people who didn't forgive. And at the end of the life, they were bent over, cranky, angry, disagreeable, and miserable. And have you ever met anyone like that once or twice? There are times when I've been ministering to people and they want physical healing. And while we've been at the altar, God has revealed that the root of their sickness was their lack of forgiveness. Some people need a revelation that unforgiveness is like trying to get revenge by ruining your own life. And it doesn't make sense. One of the reasons that we hold on to unforgiveness is that we want the people who wronged us or who hurt us to be sorry for what they have done and to understand what they've done to us. This will never satisfy, even if they did. The truth is that they can never understand how much their hurt has damaged us or wounded us. Another truth is that most of them don't care, and some of them are actually happy about it. One of the most powerful statements Jesus ever made when he was hanging on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. In the midst of his suffering, in the midst of the indignity of hanging naked on the cross, in the midst of dying as a sacrifice for the very people that were killing him, He had mercy concerning their absolute cluelessness. Remember, if Jesus had become bitter and resentful on the cross, he would have no longer been a pure spotless sacrifice. It would have made him unclean and unable to carry out the mission that he came for. You see, Satan loves unforgiveness because it makes us unclean. Remember, unforgiveness 
is sin. I want you to look at me. Some of you today, listen, God's greatest desire is to heal you. You have been through some things, some indignities, some things that people have said and spoken in your life and done, and they're clueless about it. And you have felt unclean by what they've done, but God's desire has been to forgive you of every sin and make you clean. But the reason you feel unclean is because you're hanging on to the unforgiveness. All that stands before you and in the way of you getting clean and feeling that release is being forgiving. God calls us to forgive like Jesus, to freely offer forgiveness to those who have accidentally or purposely harmed us or hurt us. And it's in this forgiveness that we can be healed and that we, in turn, can bring the healing of Jesus to others. When we forgive, God promises to heal. But we decide how long it'll take. Matthew 6, 12 in the New Living Translation says, And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. I actually just felt some light bulbs go off in the room. Jesus taught the disciples to pray that God would forgive them in direct proportion to the way that we forgive others. That'll get you thinking. How many of us have missed that when we've read the Lord's Prayer? When Jesus taught us to pray, part of the pattern of prayer is allowing God into the deepest areas of our life, not just so that we are forgiven of any hidden, unknown, or secret sins that we have. We are to allow him to reveal any part of our life that is harboring unforgiveness so that we can be forgiven and healed, to get rid of the infection. You see, one of the most important ingredients to forgiveness is speed. We need to forgive fast, and often, the longer a wound festers, the harder that wound is to heal. And biblical forgiveness doesn't have a period of time where we learn to assess the damage before we declare someone free. One of the things that makes forgiveness difficult for many people is that they confuse forgiveness with trust. I want to remind you that forgiveness always comes before trust. Trust grows with time. Forgiveness is a decision. Just because you've forgiven someone doesn't mean that you're going to trust them. Trust follows forgiveness. Forgiveness never follows trust because trust may never happen. Some people are untrustworthy. How many of you have found that to be true? And if forgiveness was dependent on trust, then it would never happen. I want you to mark this down. Forgiveness is an act of faith. This year is our year of living by faith. And the Bible says the just shall live by faith. And this is important to understand because forgiveness is a choice and an act of our will. Forgiveness is about our walk with God not the other person. It's about trusting God and his word and living in obedience. 
It's about us and God. It's not about them and God. It's about us and God. And I want to tell you, something happens in the life of a believer when you begin to make life about you and God and not about everybody else and all that they're doing and all that they've done to you. God, my highest desire, I'm living for you. My life is an act of faith. And I trust you with everything. Listen, even when everyone else has let you down, even when people have failed you, you can still trust God. Touch someone and tell them you can trust them. Go ahead, let them know this morning. Forgiveness is an act of faith because many times it certainly isn't how we feel. Forgiveness is about no guarantees from the people that we release. That is why it's about our faith and trust in God. Luke 17, 3 and 5 says, Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. I like that. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. In response to the teaching of God, they said, increase our faith. Nothing will challenge our faith or increase our faith like following Jesus' call to forgive. As a matter of fact, it's in this area of forgiveness that we learn to trust God the most. I love the fact that Jesus said when someone sins against us, we are to rebuke them. I like that. Did you know that was in the Word? Rebuke means to express sharp disapproval or criticism of someone because of their behavior or actions, to reprimand, to strongly warn, and to restrain. Part of forgiveness, listen, is being able to express our disapproval. Did you know that? You hurt me. Stop it. I don't like that. That's enough. No more. I need to let you know that what you did, I don't like. Listen, turn to someone and tell them that's biblical. Go ahead. Tell them that's biblical. Listen, we're taught in church, you know, turn the other cheek. But here's what's happened. You wind up turning the other cheek until you're a bloody mess and you're going, God, this doesn't even seem like this is what you meant by turn the other cheek. He said, rebuke them. In Matthew 18 We're told that when someone offends us, hurts us, sins against us, we're to go and tell them and let them know. I love that. Many times in church, I heard people teach, well, you just let it be. God will take care of the whole thing. That's not even biblical. Just let it go. Many times we walk around in unforgiveness and the person who hurt us is legitimately has no clue what they did. Or they did, and they just thought you didn't care. I have found that most people have no desire to hurt others. Most people. And if we confront them and they repent or apologize, then a relationship can be restored or at least be peaceful, and then you have a resolution. People say, well, I don't like to confront. I get it. But the Bible says to rebuke, so be obedient. 
I just don't like confronting. A lot of people don't like confronting. I like confronting. That's my personality. I enjoy it. I really do. You're wrong. And I'm just going to let you know. I didn't like that. I'm going to let you know. You messed with my children. I'm going to let you know. Listen, I rebuke you right now. Sometimes I just look at them and say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And if you don't heed that, I'm going to rebuke you in the name of Marvin. (laughs) Choose which one you're going to deal with. I'm still trying to be like Jesus. He is Jesus. Many Christians have been taught that rebuking and confronting is somehow not biblical. This is a lie of the devil that creates victims. And to put it quite frankly, in some cases, wimps. The Bible tells us that God has called us to show people the way to Jesus and the biblical way to do things. I want to remind you that God calls us to be a roadmap, not a doormat. Remember, no one walked on Jesus. Not once. He willingly laid his life down. He was in control. Forgiveness puts Jesus and us in the driver's seat. And just as forgiveness is an act of faith, it's not a feeling. There are several other things we need to understand about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not denying the hurt. It is feeling the hurt and releasing the hurt to God. Listen, pain hurts. If it didn't, it wouldn't be called pain. The definition of pain is hurt. It doesn't make you a wimp to hurt. It makes you human. Forgiveness is not forgetting. As a matter of fact, it is necessary to remember to forgive. It is not reliving the pain. I want you to get this. Forgiveness is not circumventing God's justice. It's allowing God to execute his justice in his time and in his way. Romans 12, 19 through 21 says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil. Say this with me, please. But overcome evil with good. Forgiveness is not waiting for time to heal all wounds. There are things that do not heal by themselves, even with time. It's allowing Jesus to cleanse and heal our deepest hurts. If you just leave an open womb sit, it festers and it gets infected. And then it begins to stink. I want you to look at me. There are some of Christians that have begun to stink because someone told you time heals all wounds and you believe the lie. And you can't figure out why people are repulsed around you. But you've been carrying that open wound for so long, people can smell it. Every time you get around, and listen, how many of you understand I'm speaking spiritually and not physically? Doctors have to reset bones. You don't just leave it there or it grows weird and your arm or your leg or whatever is not able to be used correctly. Listen, it is allowing Jesus to deal with the hurt. I want you to look at me 
And I know that this is quite the serious Sunday morning. But God wants to heal and set free. There are some of you that still have some open wounds that God's dealing with. Can I remind you, he's gentle. And he's kind. And he's faithful. Sometimes dealing with the wound may hurt a little bit. Sometimes it's more in your mind and that if he touches it, I'm going to have to go through the hurt all over again. How many of you have found the Savior to be faithful? Forgiveness is not excusing wrong behavior. It's acknowledging that there are things which there are certain things there are no excuse for, yet we still need to forgive. That man who hurt my mother, there's no excuse for what he did. And let me just tell you real quick, any of you guys who like to hit women, you're a coward. There's no excuse for what you did. Well, she had it coming, she didn't. Even if she did, you should have walked away. And if you want to hit someone, come find me or someone after church. Listen, if you feel you need to fight someone, come. I do hit back. And the truth is, if you knock out the preacher, you're definitely going to hell and you're going to need to repent. I'm just saying. Now watch this. Forgiveness is not stuffing your anger. It's resolving our anger by expressing how we feel to God and then releasing the offense into his hands. Forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. Someone needs to hear this. It takes two to reconcile, yet only one to forgive. There are also some times when reconciliation is unwise and unhealthy. You can forgive people without welcoming them back into your life. Forgiveness granted, access denied. Mark this down. Forgiveness is refusing to allow something that is temporary to turn into something permanent. Even if what was done to you has permanent consequences, forgiveness forbids the wrong to have permanent power. And I want to remind you that all power, honor, and glory belong to God. Forgiveness puts all the power back into God's hands. Unforgiveness is us trying to take the power into our own hands. How many of you know it belongs to him? I want to end with this thought this morning. Those who have been forgiven much, love much. In Romans 5, 8, in the Amplified says, but God clearly shows and proves his own love to us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we truly understand how much we've been forgiven and released from, it will cause us to love others just like Jesus did. I love the story found in Luke 7. It says that one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. Behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. 
And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair on her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. He just thought that. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and another 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Listen, if that won't get you right in the feels, nothing will. I can't wait to get to heaven and meet this lady. Jesus admitted that this woman's sins were many. And every, he let everyone know she was forgiven. And this forgiveness impacted this woman. She loved Jesus much. Forgiveness is understanding how much we have been forgiven by Jesus. I want to ask you, have you ever seen those people that just love Jesus and they have an amazing patience and love for people? You ever seen them? Those are the ones who never forgot what Jesus has done for them. When you see a Christian that is always down on people, always criticizing mistakes, always offended by what other people say or do, always belittling and impatient with people, these are the ones who have forgotten how much they have been forgiven. There are two things that help us to know when we have forgiven. When our prayers are unobstructed. There's a direct connection between the effectiveness of our prayers and the giving of forgiveness. Mark 11, 24 and 25 there says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them, that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. And lastly, how you know 
when we've forgiven is by our inability to be offended. You see, our maturity in the Lord is not measured by our ability not to offend, but our ability to be unoffended. You ever notice that those who have not forgiven really are offended by everything everybody does? And those that are forgivers, you can have people just say the most nasty, horrible things to your face. You don't enjoy them, but you're not offended. You see, when we forgive, it builds in us a resiliency that is able to overlook disrespect and wrongdoing. If we're easily slighted and live with thin skin, if we're wincing at every perceived insult, we won't live free. You know you are forgiven when people intentionally hurt you and you refuse to hold on to the offense. This morning when I woke up, I sensed God wanted to do something powerful in this place. There are some of you that are watching and this is impacting you just as strongly. Listen, the presence of God, how many of you recognize the Holy Spirit in this room? I believe the work that God has for us to do in this world is so absolutely incredible. How many of you recognize the days that we live in? Here's what I've noticed, though. There's a lot of offended Christians walking around. Every time a sinner acts like a sinner, we get offended that they're being a sinner. Instead of loving them, instead of caring, the truth is we're so still hurt and wounded that we have a hard time caring for those that Jesus gave his life for. I believe today that God wants to heal in this place. I'd like you to stand with me this morning because I just think that's a good thing to do at the end of a service. How's that? It says in the light of your glory and the light of your mercy, I'm found. I'm free. With every head bowed, with every eye closed in this place, I want to ask you, between you and the Lord, this is between you and anybody else, this is not between you and, and anyone else in this room, it's not between you if you're watching, between anyone that's next to you. I want to ask you, are there areas of unforgiveness in your life? Some of you are still carrying some things from your childhood. Some of you are carrying things from a spouse or an ex-spouse. Some of you had people speak things in your life, and the truth is some of you have just thought, man, if I could just see them one more time, I'd give them a piece of my mind. I want to encourage you instead of doing that, give them Jesus. They may have no clue what they've done to you or the impact that it's had on your life, but I want to tell you Jesus does. And his command is forgive. I can tell you that it took more than 70 times seven to forgive that fellow that did what he did to our family. There were days it took all 490 times. There were some weeks I did that every day. 
but God's the healer. Father, right now, I thank you that you're in the process of doing a work in individuals in this place that has needed to be done for a long time. Lord, we came in this morning to deal with the issue of forgiveness. and We thank you that you are wonderfully dealing with our hearts. Lord, our desire when we walked in here today is that we would leave different than when we came in because we know we've met with you. And some of us never expected that this would be exactly what you would want to deal with. For many of us, we've kind of pushed those things out of the way. They're not even in the forefront of our mind, but they've still had a significant effect in our life. For some, they're dealing with that issue right now, that unforgiveness is right at the very front. And it's been a difficult journey. But Lord, first of all, we want to thank you this morning that you have forgiven us of our sins. Would you just take a minute and thank him for what he's done for you? Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for forgiving me of wrongs, for lies, for hatred, for fear. Thank you for giving of bad choices. Thank you that you're the forgiver. Thank you, Lord, that you've modeled that for us. I thank you, Lord, that we've been set free. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us. Listen, the Lord told me right now that there are some of you that you're so open to this and God is, is ready to heal. There are some of you, there's still, there's still that thing. There's like, well, I'm going to forgive, but there's still a but. But. He sees that right now. He sees that. And listen, he understands it. He understands it. He, he sees it. But listen, he's saying Forgive. I was going to call to the front this morning, but I, I, really, I really sense God saying, this is such a sacred moment in this room. If you're saying, listen, God's just working in my heart with every head bowed, eyes closed, would you just lift your hand in this place? Father, right now I want you to say this, and let's pray this together. Father, I release that one that hurt me. I forgive them. I confess. Sometimes I don't feel like it. But I choose to be obedient. I release them in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for obedience across this room today. And Jesus, I pray that that simple point of contact, that simple prayer will do a deep work. Lord, while that may be an immediate release. I thank you that you're going to walk them through the process every day. Every time it comes to remembrance, we release it. Every time the hurt comes back, we give it to you. We cast our cares upon you because you care for us. Your yoke is easy and your burden is light. I thank you that you're lifting the heaviness of unforgiveness off of our lives, off of this church, off our community right now in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that we would be like that woman with the alabaster box, unashamed to love you. Oh, Lord, let us not be a Pharisee. 
Let us not be the one that stands in judgment of others. I pray that people would see us so openly loving and caring that they know they can be forgiven because we've been forgiven much. Lord, I pray your blessing as we walk out of this place today that you're doing a life-changing work, a finished work. When you died on the cross, after you said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do, you said it's finished, it's settled, it's done, it's completed. I thank you, Lord, that you're doing a finishing work in each one right now this morning. And we'll give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Listen, the Lord bless you. I pray that you know the freedom and the healing of forgiveness in Jesus' name. May you be encouraged. I'm. Oh, Miss Sarah's headed over to Israel. I've got a wife that reminds me. How many of you will pray for her trip? Come on, before you start going, stop right there. I know you're headed for the exit. Hang tight. Listen, we. And, and by the way, it's good to see Miss Juanita here. Miss Juanita, where are you at? Welcome home, Miss Juanita. Glory to God. Stretch your hand out to Miss Sarah. Father, thank you for a great, wonderful week now as she begins to tour Israel. Thank you, Lord, for a wonderful, wonderful lifetime journey. I pray that you would fill her and bless her. May she come back with stories to tell us. May, as she's walked the promised land, may the life of Jesus come more alive than ever before in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. And listen, she does a great work helping us with all these snacks after church. Would you let her know that you love and appreciate her? All right, you can get out of here. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday at 7 o'clock.